Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 186 of Stream of Thought. And today, we start where we do most days, in the basement. But no, not the literal basement. Fuck me. Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 186 of Stream of Thought. And today, we start off with... God damn it. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to episode number 186 of Stream of Thought. So, all I'm going to say is we start talking about my parents' renovation in their basement, the comic books that I found, the recording data at... Oh, for fuck it. I am so sick of this. I hate these intros so much. Thank you, Ricks, for being so enthusiastic with that delivery. <laughs> for those who don't know, Ricks and I have become, um, how would you say, apprehensive toward recording the intros because we used to do them so flawlessly. And then somewhere around, um, I don't know, maybe it was last year, somewhere down the line, we started to screw up the intros and we have to record them again. And every so often on rare occasions, we find ourselves 30 minutes later, we still have not found a good take for recording because we get in our own heads. So with that being said, here's the episode, 186 Stream of Thought. Enjoy it. So my parents are doing kind of a basement renovation right now because my mom's uh, closing up business. We're losing our studio, our old studio, in the next two months. She's uh, shut finally shutting down shop so right now a lot of it's just bringing stuff over from the office and trying to make that work uh down in in their basement and so today was this whole project of trying to like rip up all the old carpet and stuff like that 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 was in one of the the basement rooms downstairs and try and they they bought a new carpet so i was i was helping put that in they had to move a lot of furniture they had to do all this sort of stuff and yeah it's <laughs> the room doesn't look too much different i mean it looks it looks much cleaner and much tidier but uh yeah that was oh man just trying to trying to move cuz uh i don't know if you know my dad's this com- was this comic book aficionado and so he has got... I did not know any of that at all. You didn't know that? No. Oh, man. This is news to me. That is amazing. Bro, that, that, that's how I started to learn how to read, was through comic books. Like, my, my dad, just since, uh, since high school, I think, collected comic books. And so we have, I think, over... You know those, those old school, like, cardboard boxes that are maybe, I don't know, four feet by two feet tall like those white cardboard boxes that you can store stuff in the ones that are meant oh for right me. that like they they have like a lid on yes. them and yes. handles on the side yeah those boxes you always see the teachers with those boxes exactly and so the the ones that are like comic book size 50 of those boxes are filled with comic books some of which are like first edition pristine condition i would have to say that his his comic book collection is probably worth somewhere between fifty to seventy five thousand dollars. But I mean, there there thousands and thousands of comic books, some of which are, you know, you you can not, you cannot find anywhere else. So, dude, you should do some research and figure out how much some of those are worth. 
the tragedy, my friend, the tragedy when we were growing up, uh, when we first got a computer and there was a software that my dad installed where you could literally you could write down everything about the comic book or whatever. So the title of the comic book, the, um, the series, the particular episode of that comic book, the condition that it was in, and it would give you a price range as to what the various conditions were. And this was like 20 years ago too. And my dad, my brother and I spent hundreds of hours between the three of us, hundreds of hours trying to catalog these thousands and thousands of comic books. And one day the computer crashed and we lost everything. It was so meticulously compiled and everything. I mean, at that point, 20 years ago, it it was something like $55,000, $60,000. I'm sure it's worth more now, but all of that is lost. And yeah, I I mean, at that point, really, what are you going to do? Are you really going to redo the, the entire catalog after, after all that time? Yes. Yes, because you start over when something gets fucked up. And I'll tell you why. I've I've told this to you before. We were in college uh, near the end of my freshman year. I had submitted an application to be a team member for what was called the Boiler Gold Rush program. So the fir- or it was the week before classes started. It was for new students to help get oriented to the campus uh, and just to campus life. And so with being a team member, you kind of act like a, like a guide or like a mentor to a group of 10 to 12 um, new students. And I was in that program as a freshman, which is why I wanted to do it. Because the week before classes started my freshman year, I was in it. I was like, oh, this is really cool and fun. Some of it really sucks. Some of it's super lame. But I really enjoyed the camaraderie and hanging out with people. So I applied. And I filled out the application. And I there's five essay questions. And I spent hours on this because, you know, I did the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do, which is, you know, I'm editing as I'm writing, trying to make everything sound perfect, right? Anyway, I'm super proud of my responses. Like, there's no way they can say no. This is awesome. I hit submit. What happens? The pinwheel is turning, 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 turning. Crap. It like, it froze. So there's something wrong with the interconnection. And then I hit refresh, and what does it do? It brings me to the page, the same page, but my responses are gone. Then after that, I see in the directions, be sure to write your responses in a Word document and save them in the event that when you submit your responses, they could be lost in case of like an, a weird thing with the internet, which is exactly what happened. I wrote my answers on the web browser, on the actual que- on the little boxes in the web browser on the page, and I hit submit. I lose it, and I contemplated, "Fuck it, wow, am I going to do that all over again?" Yes, I am because I really want this. So I do it all over again in a Word document. It's even better the second time around, <laughs> and I do it, and I was so happy. I get admitted, and I did it. I I I did it as a. Uh, Going into my sophomore year, junior year, and senior year as a team member one year, a team member the next year, and then a team supervisor. And so I always think when we were doing that, and even random things happen in life, I'm like, I'm so happy I had that attitude. Like, well, I'm just going to have to start over. And I just did it. And it was meticulous and tedious, and 
it was just, I did it. See, and I feel like that's the main difference right there is that doing something like comic book reorganization or redocumenting is more of like a recreational thing versus something that you like really want. I mean, literally, I don't think any of us have read a comic book in the past 15 years, much less. Dude, I didn't even know. I honestly didn't even know comic books were in my brain. The the cool comic book to read was Calvin and Hobbes. That was the only thing that was on my. And, <laughs> That's and a like comic a couple, strip. Are you kidding me? And a couple other – well, okay. Well, when I'm thinking of cartoons and comics, right, that's that's what I think about. So when you say comic book like Marvel and DC and Bat- and like – obviously Batman's part of DC, all those, my brain goes to, you know, the 60s. That's what I think of when comic books cost 10 cents because no one I knew and I never saw these in any stores. I never saw comic books in line at the uh, – at the register at Jewel Osco or wherever else they have impulse items. I never saw them at Toys R Us. I never saw them at Learn. I never saw them. They were just this thing that were a relic of the past that gave birth to the cartoons that I enjoy watching. Dude, so I, I would say that probably is a pretty good representation of how most people viewed comic books in the past because – uh, like you, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't buy comic books at a grocery store or a convenience store or something like that. It was, you had to go to a comic book shop and some of my favorite memories growing up from childhood, not only reading comic books, but my dad and my brother, sometimes my, even my sister and I would ride down the great Western trail to one of the comic book shops that was maybe a, a, half an hour bike ride or something like that. And we just biked there. We'd go check out the comic books. Uh, we, My dad actually got to know the comic book owner, still still talks with him, friends on Facebook, stuff like that, um, named Stuart, who actually, we, we were so, so frequent of visitors that over time, I don't know if you can see this, it's a... I can see it. Yeah. It's one of the... He gave us, like, this present, which was... A collector's edition, and my sister and my brother and I all got different ones of various Marvel. Oh wow! Superheroes. I don't even know who the hell that is, but I saw the package said uh, it said the Watcher. It's the Watcher. Yeah. So it's a guy with a blue cape and a giant ass brain and a bald head <laughs> who who makes an appearance but yeah that was i mean that's like how dedicated my family was to the whole like comic book lifestyle not my mom obviously but the the rest of our family that was like such an integral part of of growing up and yeah that that got us into all those other like fantasy sci-fi stuff pokemon digimon all that stuff was like because of the gateway of comic books to just explore this alternative reality dude you know what you could do with all those comic books catalog them and then does your dad have doubles of some uh, of them, only a couple only a couple yeah okay not not all well catal- catalog them and then figure out which ones are are disposable, meaning ones that that you guys can agree that don't have that don't hold any sentimental value to, to 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 your dad. I mean, you don't have to do this. Is just what I would do. I don't know, but what I would do if my dad had a comic book collection like that, I'd be like, Dad, it, would it be okay if we catalog all this stuff? 
figure out which are the ones that you're okay letting go, sell those, and start buying and trading comic books as like almost like a currency. And obviously it's your dad's, right? So he might have some that he doesn't want to let go or he might say no or whatever, but then cut him some of the profit and start buying and trading. This one dude that I used to have an acting class with, he uh, he used to work in a restaurant, but then he his primary source of income was buying and trading Star Wars toys. Um, oh God! I was like, and I just thought like, <laughs> oh wow, like you don't think of, you don't think to do something like that. And so what I'm getting at is, I mean, you don't have to do this, but I'm always trying to think of ways like, what can I do? Ever since a couple of years ago, when I just started selling all my old toys and I made a bunch of money, <sighs> I was like, I just started thinking like, oh, what else can I do? You know, to turn a profit on something. My brain went into hustle mode. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because I mean. A lot of it is just more the the sentimental value that he had spent probably about 15, 20 years collecting all those comics. So it's just – it's more of a point of, hey – and the fact too, I will say even for the pristine mint condition ones, he – I'm pretty sure that he has read every single one of those like 5,000 comics that he ended up getting. It's – it's – it's wild, absolutely wild. And that got him into this whole trading thing where – when we were moving all the stuff around um, to redo the basement, all these other kind of collectible items. I don't know if you remember when Pokemon was like a huge thing and I can't remember. It was like Burger King or McDonald's or someone had these like gold plated Pokemon, like thick card things. I don't know if you remember that at all. I do remember. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. And so my dad actually, I didn't realize this. He uh, apparently, this was back when eBay was like a huge thing. He ended up buying a bunch of them. So there's a bunch of unopened, like those gold plated Pokemon cards probably, probably have about, you know, 15 of them or something like that. In addition to unopened packs of various playing card um, for various games and stuff like that, whether it's it's Pokemon, Digimon, stuff like that. That's sweet. I wonder if any of the toys that have come out the last, you know, five or ten years, whenever Iron Man kind of kicked off the whole Marvel thing, like if in a hundred or two hundred years, because this is a, let me backtrack, because this is my theory for the future. This is the first time in history where. Uh, where events and cultural phenomenon and just uh, the spirit of the times and everything can be captured digital digitally, right? Like, so these things that we're experiencing right now, anything related to culture is going to live on for the next 100, 200, 500. You know what I'm saying? Like, Michael Jackson is going to be around for, the, for another thousand years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Beatles will probably be around for another thousand years. So what I'm getting is I wonder if any of the Marvel toys that we don't value right now because we're in the time, if in 100 years it's like, oh, my goodness, this is a whatever the hell, first edition. This this was the first Captain America toy off the assembly line. This is the first Captain America Captain American toy model that came out after, what was it, 2014 that that movie came out? Uh, and so who knows? In a hundred years, oh, yeah, it no. could be worth yeah. a ton of money. I don't know. But have uh, speaking speaking because 
I don't know. Have you heard? This is apparently something that I have just kind of started hearing about the past couple of weeks. I feel like it's going to make its way into the mainstream news media. The NFTs, non-fungible tokens, is something that everyone is talking about right now. And I don't what know. What is you've... it called? Non-fungible tokens. They're referred to as NFTs. And apparently, there's this huge boom right now in NFTs. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if you had heard anything about that at all. I've never heard anything about that. I'm still learning about it, but basically what it sounds like is whether it's, uh, it, it, it's like the original created works of certain things, whether they're digital, music, audio, video, whatever, like the original product that was created and they're they're being sold like a lot of these artists and creators and whoever who have created these things that have become like cultural icons that suddenly now there's this movement to start getting the original copies and so a lot of these OG type things have been selling for millions of dollars um being bought and sold by Bitcoin or on on various other like trading platforms but I yeah I I have a feeling that we're going to be hearing a lot more about that in the in the coming future because I'm starting to see more and more articles pop up about this. I first heard this on the the Philip DeFranco show it was talking about NFTs. So I was like, oh, you know, I've I've seen that term somewhere. I don't know what it means, and so I looked into it a little bit. And basically, it's just a way for artists to get compensated for work that is digitally reproduced and pirated and stuff like that that they can sell their OG copy and get millions for, or at least hundreds of thousands. Interesting. I'm going to have to look into that. I pulled up a page and I was browsing it, browsing it right now, but uh, there's a lot of information on here. Does so... that seem like kind of what I had said? Because I, I don't have like a yes. exact, um, I, I haven't been able to nail down a very concise description as to what an yeah. NFT is. But non, non-fungible tokens... Yeah, that's very interesting. I do want to learn more uh, about that. That has my brain thinking. <laughs> well, dude, and you know, too, when it comes to stuff like that, where as soon as the mainstream media starts talking about it, you know you know, the fad's over. So right now, right. it's kind of occurring on the periphery, on the border. It's going to leach into the mainstream sooner than later, so... Right, like, you got to like, jump. You got to jump on it, and then jump out shortly after the mainstream finds out. Shortly, at that sweet spot. As soon as the mainstream finds out, all of them are going to jump in on it, and but then with all of them jumping in, then it's just going to be like anything else. It's not going to be special anymore. Well, but if it, you get in early, it, it was like the it was like the GameStop thing, where you know all the people on the periphery knew that this was going on. Suddenly, as soon as it gets to the mainstream, suddenly all these people who just watch mainstream news are investing in GameStop and you see all these stories on CNN, Politico, NPR about people who have lost their life savings because they're like, oh, this is the new fad and trend. No, no. Once once you hear about it on CNN, that, that nope. yeah. trend has passed. You are just going to lose money. I agree 100%. I, um... Dude, I just... I think about bitcoin sometimes and think man how fortunate are all those people who are just like yeah i'll just buy ten thousand dollars worth of bitcoin at three cents per coin 
you know? <laughs> what was it? Like, my good. This one guy, I, I saw this quick uh, this Instagram video. This guy invested $10,000 in Tesla, and it was like $40 per share, I think. I, I, I want to say maybe $40 per share is when that was. That may have been the IPO price. I can't recall. But anyway, he bought $10,000 worth of Tesla at some point in time, and it was only 40 or $45 per share. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just going to hold it my entire life. I'm not going to sell. I'm like, fuck it. And he still goes – I think he like – I think he still goes to work and has like a regular life, but good for him. Wow. That just – that blows my mind. I mean that you could – because – well, even with the Bitcoin stuff, right? that you hear all these stories about people who bought Bitcoin at that level and now they're billion. They're, they could be billionaires, but they're like, you know, we, we play the long game. So one of my buddies a couple of years ago, I think a few years ago when I told him like, Oh yeah, I bought some Bitcoin and he was like, man, I sold it at $600 per coin. I definitely should have held on to that. And this is like a few years ago in 2017 when it reached an all-time high at the time of like 19 or $20,000 per coin. Now it's at like 40 or $45,000 per coin or something crazy like that. Here here's what I feel though, and it, it's just me, but I feel like my personality is that I'm always late to the game when it comes to stuff like that where I can I can never be on the cutting edge. I know exactly how how you feel. Because I'm thinking the same thing, like, fucking A, like, with even – it doesn't have to be necessarily investing, right? Like, Instagram, for example. Yeah. Like, damn, yeah, I yeah. wish I had the knowledge I had now when Instagram came out almost 10 years ago. That would have been helpful to have the knowledge I have now before all of the fucking algorithms and bo- – like, to, it was a the Wild West, right? It's the Wild West, and you can get away with pretty much anything if you are smart <laughs> enough or know where to to know what to do. And then regulation comes in once they – because when things like that, you know, Instagram doesn't even know what it is yet, you know, because it's this brand new thing. And you don't know – Facebook obviously recognized the power behind it and bought it for a billion dollars. Um, but anyway, it's because what I've learned is that people aren't willing – or don't know how, or it's not even on their radar to do the legwork themselves and trust their own judgment. It's so much easier to follow and to be told what to do and to be given information rather than do your own research. And I feel like I would be the kind of person because I feel like we hear about all the success stories and that's something that I think to myself, oh, yeah, we – anybody, any any one of us schmucks can be able to, to make something magical happen. And then I look at some of the failures, uh, which is actually more fascinating to me, where these new innovative things – I don't know if you remember. It was maybe about five to eight years ago where they started promoting this, like, curved TV and that was going to be the new big tech. And so everyone was like pouring in investments, stuff like that. I don't think I've ever seen a person with a rounded TV. <laughs> like, there are certain things. Yeah. You, you have? It, yeah. My buddy Zilliac, this was actually probably oh, about, yeah. ten, about 10 years ago. He had this huge, this, I don't even know what size TV this was. This may have been like a 72-inch TV. It was massive. 
and he had it on this it was crazy he was in his bedroom and he had it on this thing so that like uh it was on this little axis so that you could pivot the tv one way or another depending on where if you're sitting down in the corner or if you're on your bed or if you're standing up you know cleaning out your closet or whatever so you can angle the tv on this little pivot point which is separate from the tv but then i looked at it from the side and you could see just the very gentle curve of the television and i'm like okay this is cool i don't understand how this is like super helpful or how this is <laughs> advantageous or or what but okay that and like 3d glasses or 3d tv or whatever i think those are like the the two things that were supposed to be the future decade ago Yes, and... I remember the the 3D the 3D glasses. I remember watching a movie on someone's TV that could do that, and it was cool. I remember, but I wasn't blown away by it. I'm just surprised though that we haven't we haven't come to that point because I feel like full immersion is something that we're capable of right now. I'm I'm kind of surprised that hasn't taken off, but. It's one of those things. Maybe somebody hasn't created the right invention to get in on the ground floor. You know, buy buy well, some stocks and some new and up and coming company. I'm sure there already were. I mean, I don't even know how much time and money goes into creating something that's so simple. I mean, you take the iPad for example, and you think this is such a brilliant idea. It's such, you know, you you think this is a no brainer, and it's amazing. And by the time it hits the market, they work out most of the kinks, but. I remember thinking of the iPad in high school, like freshman or sophomore year, in my intro to business class. Uh, Faven. Uh, oh, yes. Faven, Babu, Babu. and, yeah. uh, and uh, Flod. I can't remember his last name, but Flod, the guy from Albania. We were a group together, and we came up with a device, a device that had textbooks in it, and it was digital. So it was the iPad. It was like the Kindle, right? Yeah. And it was specific to textbooks for school. And you can download your textbooks on this. And we came up with that idea. We are like, oh, this would be a cool idea. This is 2002 or 2003. And I honestly told myself, this is an amazing an, an idea. I'm going to keep my notes and figure out maybe if there's some way I can monetize off of this. Not knowing that Steve Jobs was already on top of it. And they were actually – create in the process of creating the iPad before the iPhone they were creating the iPad and I can't remember what the catalyst was but then all of a sudden they were like wait a minute this can be a phone and so they changed it up they put all their energy into creating the iPhone then the iPhone hits the market and then after that they went back to what they were already working on their original idea the iPad and then that came out <laughs> and I will say, totally, totally unrelated note. I do find amusement in um, certain people who have like a lack of critical thinking ability. Where I've heard from some in uh, some people, like, oh no, I I totally invented that that idea, and someone else stole it from me. I'm I'm thinking of a couple of people. <laughs> it's like, oh come on, man, really, really. I was just thinking, how many other people? thought of some type of idea of the iPad before it was the iPad. I guarantee you it was quite a few and I'm sure it they're was, all I'm taking sure credit for it. Yeah. In the, in their own minds. No, I came up with yeah. that. You stole that from me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what's going on with but, you, man? Um, 
Dude, I'll tell you what, exactly what's going on. I just finished my Lacombe Coffee Vanilla Draft Latte, and before I signed on, I ate a ham sandwich with Colby Jack cheese, honey ham, and some potato chips, which segues us into our next subject. Oh, God. Bro, I've been, I haven't been consuming a lot, but I've, de- but I've been consuming a lot relative to my entire life. Bro, caffeine is freaking amazing. These little, uh, I, I, I suddenly got turned on. It was actually about last year when I started working at Sprouts and we were in this meeting and I'm like, this meeting, like all meetings, this sucks. This is a huge waste of time. This is so freaking boring. And I'm about to fall asleep and they're like, oh, you should try a yerba mate, a can of the yerba mate tea. And so I drink it. It was freaking amazing. It was delicious and it made me laser focused and that was like my first introduction to to the wonders of caffeine because normally I only consume it when it's in uh, tea or like soda. But I don't drink soda all the time. And though, and even when I'm drinking one soda or one tea, the caffeine content is pretty minimal compared to some of these products are purely made for the the amount of caffeine they can condense, you know, in a nine ounce drink. Anyway, because I wake up early and I have all this shit that I want to do and probably just because I'm getting older, I feel tired a lot. And then, so I'm like, oh, I'll just, I'll just get a little quick, uh, coffee. And these, these, uh, cans from the grocery store, they're cheaper than getting Starbucks, you know? And so I get them and it feels great. And sometimes I, I just drink half of one and then save the other half for later. But it gives me a nice little jolt of energy. And I'm thinking, okay, I get it now. Because before people, people would be like, you don't drink coffee? And I'd take pride in it. No, bitch, I don't. Absolutely <laughs> not. But now I've been making trips to the grocery store, getting the yerba mate tea and the coffee. And I'm like, shit, dude, I got to make sure this doesn't become like a monthly bill. I need to... I need to break this habit before it becomes a real habit because it's so delicious and I just feel so uh, invigorated after having a quick dose of caffeine. So so what's the what's the uh, level of comparison that you would rank it with uh, something like Red Bull? I don't think I've ever drank a can of Red Bull. Are you? I have no. I mean, you you were you were in a fraternity, man. How the hell I've, have you wait, never had uh, a Red uh, Bull? Uh, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. I have had Red Bull in, you know, vodka. I've had it mixed, Uh-oh. but I haven't had the can by itself. I've had Monster by itself. I enjoy Monster, except it's got way too much sugar in it, so, so I just get much sugar. I would, when I would happen to get it, I would get the uh, the reduced sugar one, and it's pretty similar. It's about the same. It depends though, because these uh, La Colombe, they there's four different flavors, and they all have they have different contents of caffeine. So this one has 115 milligrams, another has 120, and the other one has like. Another one has like 175, and then the fourth one has maybe 150. So there's different contents, and then holy crap! I believe, I believe 12 ounces of Coca Cola, just one can of Coca Cola, might have 38 milligrams of caffeine in it. And then these yerba mate tea, the yerba mate cans are 
I think they're a pint, and those have about 150 milligrams. But then the the, little, the tea bags that I have of yerba mate to make hot tea, each of those tea bags is about 40 milligrams. So I don't normally notice a huge difference if I were to drink a can of Coca-Cola or a, uh, a thing of tea. I mean, like, kind of. But you definitely feel it when you get above that, you know, 50 to 60 milligram threshold. Which is why even the yerba mate cans, I drink half of it and then the other half later because I don't. I've it's gotten to the point where I drink one too fast or I have too much caffeine and I'm like, oh shit, I feel my heart beating pretty fast. I did not want to be this hopped up, dude. I and and that was one of those things too. Uh, in my in my previous life when I was living at that apartment, um, they had the the uh, coffee machine. But one of the settings was espresso, so I would normally do three shots of espresso just straight up and and drink that. And I, I felt like wow. I was just fucking invincible for the next 12 hours or so. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly – that's a great way to put it. Feeling invincible. Yes. <laughs> invincible yeah. is a good way to put it. Yeah, when I get these drinks, I'm just like, be careful, Victor. Don't ki- don't make sure it doesn't become a habit. I wish there was some way that you could consume things and there would be no after effect. You know, like I wish you could have caffeine and then not be dependent or or uh, have like – I mean have a craving for caffeine or even, you know, when you get drunk. I hope you – I wish you didn't have a hangover. When you smoke weed, I wish you didn't have feel, you know, super lazy and slow several hours later. I wish you could consume something and then just have it be that and not have the after effect at all. Dude, I know. That's – I cannot believe with all the technology that we have, we haven't gotten there. Because even with caffeine, like those espressos and stuff like that, I'd, I'd have kind of a little throbbing in – it wasn't really a headache, but it's kind of just like a – you could feel like the side of your head pulsating – or whenever, when you come to that certain level of caffeine intake, or it's just like, oh man, oopsies. Yeah, but uh, side note, or kind of the well, different from caffeine, but I mentioned <laughs> it when we were talking about the coffee. But I, you know how I don't eat meat very often. I actually really do not. I've noticed without trying that I really don't eat any beef or pork. I've completely, for the most part, eradicated that. Just I find myself just not, when I happen to get something that's meat, it's usually chicken. But I was at the store today, I'm like, oh, I need to go grocery shopping, but I don't have time to go grocery shopping, and I just need something to eat real quick. I don't want to get fast food. And, bro, every time I make myself a ham sandwich... With some cheese, you know, a baguette, and some potato chips, I think, dude, this really hits the spot. I don't care who you are. I don't care how, you know, how pro-vegan or pro-vegetarian you are. I'll always make room for a ham sandwich with Colby Jack cheese and some potato chips. Oh, Mm. so delicious. (laughs) Delicious, delicious. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, it's, it's I was the thinking caffeine. of the. N- no, it was. I was thinking of the next word before I said that. I was going to say a delicious, delicious, classic American lunch, quick lunch or snack, ham no. and cheese sandwich, 
with some potato chips, and I usually try and get a Coca Cola. That's a, that is my special meal. Sometimes when I'm in the mood, sometimes I'm like you know what, that sounds freaking perfect right now. Ham man, that that that's actually the one meat that I'm not a huge fan of. Not a fan of ham. Really? Yeah, yeah. Or cheese, cheese, cheese on a sandwich? No, no. Unless unless it's like a Reuben or something like that. Nah, I just can't can't. So do then, that. what do you eat on any holiday that is not Thanksgiving? We always eat ham on my family and I. We've always eat, had a ham on Easter. Or Christmas Eve or Christmas. I mean, actually, those are really the only two. You know, Fourth of July, you do barbecue, and but Easter and Christmas, ham for sure. Yeah, ham, ham's ham's fine uh, in in kind of isolation. Um, I, I take it I take it more as a nostalgic experience than I do enjoy. Like, granted, I have had some very good tasting ham. You know, my my dad knows how to cook a ham pretty well but you know if, if i'm if i'm going for like deli slices it's going to be roast beef or maybe do turkey something like that but yeah ham ham would be my my least pre- favorite preference dude i think cold cuts of roast beef is so freaking gross but i'll eat roast beef if it's on a roast beef sandwich like at portillo's you know, if it's heated Bro. with the au jus sauce, yeah. I'll eat it like that. And that's the thing, too, like, and maybe that's the same with ham, too, where I, I need to have a warm, like, a warm cut of meat. That okay. is what makes the total difference. And if there's going to be cheese on it, totally fine, right? Just have the cheese melted over it. Maybe a toasted bun. Interesting. Something like that. Yeah. I... I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a picky eater. I'll... <laughs> fuck, I'll eat whatever. But... When it comes to what I enjoy, ooh, baby, when you when you marinate some of those meats, if you have the opportunity, like roast beef, like a roast beef sandwich, you marinate it in some au jus and throw a little bit of provolone over it, toast it for five minutes, oh, maybe some sautéed yeah. onions on there too. Mm. Hell yeah, dude. Dang, that, that's where it's I'm at. Hungry all over again. <laughs> yeah, I. Hey, if I, if I'm gonna eat and I have the opportunity, I'm like I'm more than happy eating um, uh, like beefaroni or like those uh, the <laughs> the like ABCs the the spaghettios like having right. the spaghettios like that's cool that's cool. But if I have the chance, if I have a heater, got all the ingredients. Why not play around? Have some fun, you know? See see what sort of flavors you can pull out of it. Dude, did I tell you that recently one thing that I've been really into is watching on, you know, YouTube or Instagram the preparation of fresh fish? No. Dude, I don't know first. how – like I was just – Going through Instagram and somehow there was like an ad or maybe it was just – I don't know what it was. But it was a chef in a kitchen with a whole fish. I can't remember what it was. With a whole fish and the whole video of him is him just preparing it. I was like, dude, that look – I don't know why. But I've been really into watching videos where a chef 
is preparing a fish. And then I got to see one video. It was a compilation where this guy shows you how to prepare like 20 different kinds of fish. And he's talking about it and the texture and the flavor and, and like, uh, and you know, the type of fish where it's found and everything. And I'm just like, dude, it's just, it's so appealing to the eyes to watch someone, uh, with such a, with with such dexterity, the craft and the artwork that is created when they are preparing a fish. Mm. That, <laughs> I totally agree. I love I love watching that, and I would say the same actually goes for pretty much any other like even something as simple as like cracking an egg, where where you got these chefs that are able to like do the one handed over the bowl like crack open it up. Like, I mean, just there's a beauty to the culinary expertise that they have. I just, I love, it's mesmerizing. You're right. I, it's, I'm just captivated by that. As like, that's, that's part of the reason why like Gordon Ramsay shows up all the time on my, uh, my YouTube feed. I also, I mean, I enjoy watching chefs prepare food. It is kind of cool to watch, but dude, I would never want to do that for risk of even just cutting my finger just one time. Fuck that. I am just, like, so scared of cutting myself, the way how quickly they cut parsley and onion and sharpening the knives and just filleting fish or other types of meat. And the way they move, they're just so freaking quick. <laughs> I try that every once in a while with, like, onions or whatever when I need to dice onions. I'll, I'll try that. You got to curl your fingers. You got to – most people, they leave their fingernails exposed you know they're parallel with the table, but you got to curl your fingers inward. Got to curl the fingers, the my knife, friend. Let it rest against your knuckles so that you, there's no way for you to cut yourself. Yes, well, and and that's that's what I've learned to do too. Just I, I don't know. I've never cut myself. I don't know if you've ever cut yourself, like just doing that, like slicing an onion or something like that. But yeah, I, I've just gotten into the habit where I just make sure that the blade is parallel with my my knuckles, and so there's no possible injury that. Uh, I have seen far too often on various videos. Dude, I have to sharpen my knives. My knives are so dull, are so dull, and I have one of the rods to sharpen it with. And when I first bought the knives, the rod worked, but now I'm like, I'm still doing the same thing. the The knives would get sharpened, but now for the longest time, when I'm doing it, it doesn't sharpen the knife. And I'm watching YouTube videos on it now. Like, am I doing it right? But I wonder too. Uh, like, did I? I don't know, like, you can always sharpen a knife, right? It doesn't have, like, a lifespan to it. No. You get you can always, uh, and this is something, too, that coming from a family where my dad is just super into that sort of stuff, with the, like, I can't count the number of knives, like, 25 different knives that he has. And every every month or every, like, three months or something like that, he'll just be out there just sharpening the knife with, with that, like, little round metal thing just to sharpen it over and over again. So, yeah, I you got, you got to sharpen your knives, man. Got to make got to make sure that they're, uh, they're able to do what they uh, should be doing. It's embarrassing. It's super hard to cut even a freaking lemon. Like, it won't... You gotta sharpen. You gotta. Which sharpen. is why now I've tried. Which is why now I I understand the saying. You know, uh, a sharp knife is a safe knife. It's a it's it's a repetition. Well, I don't know if I have anything else. Like most episodes, this one just kind of flew by all of a sudden. The only other thing that I have, I've got, I've got 
oh gosh, a uh, ministry meeting tomorrow for uh, wedding couples. It It's supposed to be the annual St. Joseph Mission Retreat, and so now it's, it's all done virtually, so it's only going to be two hours as opposed to the whole day where, you know, couples end up signing on. So I, I have no idea what's going to go on there, but we'll see. Last week or the week before was the uh, virtual meeting, the Zoom with 100 people, 50 couples or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how many end up showing up to this thing. Um, have you gotten any more uh, weddings lined up under your belt that Father Joe has uh, just tossed your way? So there's been – I think there's been four where he's tossed my way. One is definitely confirmed. The other is kind of in progress right now. And then there's another one that I'm waiting for a response from. So, yeah. So the comp... The one that's confirmed, when does that take place? In the summer? In the fall? Yeah, that's, uh, what, July 9 or something like that? What's it going to look like for this whole COVID thing? Because by then, who knows what the protocol is going to be? Another lockdown. You know what I'm saying? Who knows, like... I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, yeah, any, because I know, like, a lot of states and a lot of people, I don't know what, what Cali's like right now when it comes to people, like, adhering to mask rules now that there's a vaccine and everyone can just do whatever the fuck they want. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think I said it before, the general, what I have understood to be the, uh, to be the vibe is that you wear your mask in public and around strangers, and if you're with someone who you personally know, then you just don't wear your then you don't wear your mask. Like I've I I can't tell you how many times I go to restaurants to pick up for DoorDash or Postmates, and there's signs that say, or even at the park, it's like do not gather with anyone unless they live in your immediate household. It's like it's obvious that these people, you know, are friends. There's no way these eight people all live in one house. Right. I feel I feel that same sort of trepidation, but considering that the news came that I think in theory everyone should be able to have access to at least the first vaccine by May is kind of the thing that I'm which is why I'm I'm feeling more comfortable booking a flight out there and and doing the wedding and all that, but bro, I mean I I have no idea what it's going to look like because it's going to be in the waning hours of this whole thing. If there's going to be a fourth wave, it's going to come in the next month or so. But by July, I think everything is going to be settled down enough. And I like, I don't even know if I'm going to wear a mask. I'm assuming I'm going to wear a mask. I'm assuming I'm going to have a vaccine, but it, it just, we're, we're in that like weird middle ground as I, I don't know how people are going to, I don't know how I'm going to interact with the whole dynamic that, uh, we're starting to be safe again. There'll be some, re- there'll be some reason to hype everything up to scare people again. There will for sure, because once the vaccine goes out, regardless of how this started or what the scenario is. The moment the vaccine gets rolled out, the clock is ticking for the amount of time that the upper echelon have to take advantage of the situation and still fear. All right. Well, I guess that concludes things for episode number 186 of Stream of Thought. Until next time. Until next time.